0: All right, welcome everyone uh, back to another live edition of Hey Fighting Podcast. As always, Cody Worsham, digital media reporter for LSU Athletics, joined today by uh, passing game coordinator DJ Mangus. Uh, before we get to Coach Mangus, want to thank our friends at Assurance Financial. How long is halftime at an LSU football game? 20 minutes. How long does it take to complete a mortgage application? At Assurance Financial, you can apply for a mortgage in less time than halftime. Visit AssuranceMortgage.com, proud sponsor of LSU Athletics. All right, let's get to Coach Mangus now. DJ, what's going on? Uh, welcome back to to Baton Rouge, to Louisiana. Um, as people started asking their questions, I'll kind of get us started. How's it been getting resettled, getting uh, readjusted to, to life back in Baton Rouge?
1: Yeah, everything's been great. It's been um, a little bit easier. I know you guys just had Jake on. I, I would imagine then, Jake, I, you know, I, I was here in 19, so I'm very familiar with the setting and as you know the the department here in, in ops there's there's a ton of people there's a ton of faces to get to know let alone the players um and I've already had a head start on that given there there hasn't been a been many faces that have changed from that front it's more so good to know the young players the players that weren't here um so that part's been uh the biggest challenge which isn't really challenging at all and um yeah so it's been besides the fact that I don't have six kids to worry about like <laughs> it's been uh it's been very smooth i'm I'm very excited to be back to say
0: the least yeah speaking from uh from personal experience with just two kids it makes it makes a difference so i can't even fathom six like i just it, it, it blows <laughs> you, my mind you wouldn't even be able to
1: tell with jake i mean he comes in here he's, he's the first one in the office he's usually the last one to leave and he's got the same type of juice and energy every day um so when i see that and i'm a guy with no kids and i see a guy with six kids bringing that same type of mentality every day it's um it's like, well, I better. My so it's, it's inspiring to say, you know, to, to be around.
0: I, I felt the same way. Like I just asked him the last question I asked him was what, what his favorite kids movie is to put on for the kids. And he was like, well, for Lent, we give up movies. And I was like, "Give up movies? <laughs> that's like what I do to like get my kids to leave me alone. It's like put on a movie and he's like, yeah, we give it up. We're going to dig into it. So, yeah, that's uh, that's definitely inspirational. Um, yeah. All right. We got a couple questions already coming in. Uh, Andres Valencia. Asked, and this kind of touches on, on what we were just talking about. But what is the difference, uh, the biggest difference or change you've noticed around the program from 2019, uh, excuse me, from 2019 until now?
1: Uh, the biggest difference, I, I think the most obvious thing is just the faces, the players. I mean, we, we, lost, we lost a lot of players just like you do every year. And, and even though it's only been a year, it was we, we had a veteran crew. So there's a lot of new faces. Uh, but there's a lot that's similar that the way we run things, the way we uh, just the daily routine, it's a lot of things that, that I'm very familiar with. I, I joked the, the biggest thing that I probably noticed beyond the players was the coffee machine that we have, you know, big time upgrade there. We got all the options. So that's been a big, big plus, a big bonus, but for the most part, it's been very, very similar just from the daily routine, which is uh, anytime. I think you walk into a situation, a new situation, you're trying to figure out your routine. Well, for me, it was pretty easy to figure that out, so it's made everything much much smoother, I think, than a traditional transition, like most have.
0: Give me the the scoop on the coffee machine. Like, what, are we talking like a new Keurig? Is it like one with like cappuccino features? Like, what, what's the what's the upgrade there?
1: I don't know all the details. I know it's it's like a digital screen and oh you, nice. You have all different kinds of options. Uh, I'm just a simple black coffee, and and that's it. Um, but you you don't have a pot. Um, usually there is a line. That's that's one of the downsides. But mm. Quick pours right away, and uh, you don't have to worry about
0: refilling the pot. It's it's there, ready to go. So it's it's the real deal. All right, Caleb Payton, uh in the chat says, I know it's super early, and an impossible task in itself. But how close do you think we can come to approximating our 2019 offense with our current personnel? I'm sure you and you and Coach Pete are going to get that a lot. And you know, I find myself guilty of this too. And I, it's, it's hard to compare present to past is just, you know, it's, it's, it's different contexts, different situations, but it's also really easy to compare it mostly because you were here and you were around and y'all's ties to coach Brady. So um, how do you, how do you approach that? And how do you, you know, obviously everyone looks at that 2019 offense and puts it on the pedestal it deserves. Um, how do y'all try to, to live up to that building and try to recreate that?
1: Yeah. So I, I don't get, so caught up in, in trying to duplicate i mean this is a different team it's a different offense it's it's different personnel it's a different offensive coordinator it's a different pass game coordinator there's going to be a lot of similarities that's for sure uh, the one thing I will say that I look back on is the 2018 team. I think if you look and I know that the wins and losses were different but if you look at some of the, the numbers that i think are important to look at as far as offensive production, those 2018 numbers were very similar as far as yards per carry, yards per attempt, I think even points. Um, there, there were three that stood out to me um, compared to the 2020 offense. And then we brought in the, the offensive system we had in 2019 with that same talent. Uh, a lot of the guys were returning and you saw what happened. It, it exploded. And I know this past season, there were some similarities, but there were also some differences, some missing pieces, I think within the offense uh, that we will bring back and utilize this season, that um, when I look at the numbers from 18 to 19 and I see the change, I, I know from 20 to 21, I'm not saying it's going to be the same change, but I'm extremely optimistic to know that once we get those principles and those details in place, that uh, this offense can do similar things and, and explode more than uh, than what we saw this past season.
0: Yeah, it's nice to have a roadmap or, uh, or a precedent to, to look to. Um, in, the, in the same vein, Nicholas Boudreaux asked, what did you learn from uh, Coach Brady and coach Ensminger in 19 and then with Coach Brady and, uh, and Pete's and Carolina to help you in the role now at LSU? I mean've you've, you've been around a lot of great coaches in your time. What have you picked up from from um, that trio in particular?
1: Um, well, I think with Brady, it was uh, the biggest thing was the system. I mean, just learning that offense and learning the system and how it operates, I, I don't think there's a lot of people who try to duplicate who try to do what we did in 19. Um, But when you combine the Saints passing offense with what was essentially the Penn State and Saquon Barkley operation um, and you mesh it into what we did. um, I I think there's a lot of detail that is missing when people try to duplicate that. So I think our offense is second to none and and it's unique in its own. Um, So I would say that's the biggest thing from Brady and we remain best of friends. So there's a lot more to that. I think with Steve, it was. um, There's a million different ways you can be a leader. And I I think he showed me uh, just the ultimate example of selflessness Hmm. Uh, as far as he was the offensive coordinator and Brady brought in the system. And I don't think even putting myself in his shoes or seeing and observing other offensive coordinators that anyone would have said, hey, this is the best thing for LSU and this is the best thing for the LSU offense and kind of letting Brady do as much as he did with the offense. Um, and and then going to Carolina I think um, you know with with Jake Jake is extremely beyond the fact that he's able to do what he does with six kids I mean probably the biggest thing just being the same guy each and every day with the same amount of energy um, I I think he's he's a great example there Um, but holding guys accountable he's um, I think a lot of people in the profession I'm guilty of it myself you, you you put in a standard in a lot of different ways with your players, whether it's in the classroom on the field or whatever it is. And some guys, I think down the road, you get tired, things start to pile up. You you lose track of some of the stuff that you're trying to hold your players a standard to, um, or you lose track of the standard that you're trying to hold the players to. And with Jake, that, that doesn't, you ain't, ain't going to see that with Jake. He's not going to let that slip. He is going to hold every single person, whether it's coaches, players accountable to what we said we're going to do. And I think that's, um, there's something to be said for that. You know, speaking of leadership, I think that's one of his greatest qualities.
0: And I'm going to bring on Daniel Zollinger who had a, uh, a question in the Q&A. Daniel, you can unmute yourself and fire away. Yeah, sure. Welcome back to LSU, DJ. So I was wondering who you thought is the wide receiver most poised to have like a breakout season this fall, kind of like we saw with Keyshawn Butte last year.
1: Yeah, I appreciate the question, Daniel. I, um, I'd like to think, all of them. I I even think Kayshawn for as good of a year as he had and as much as he broke out towards the end of the year. Um, I, I think he's still just scratching the surface as far as his potential goes. Um, I And I think there's a reason why in the first half of the year, obviously there were some some injuries and some some roster changes and things like that. And that's kind of why he was maybe um, a hidden gem, so to speak. But uh, I still think he's scratching the surface. I think he's extremely raw. And, and that's something we're working on right now and developing him. But to think he was able to do what he did with that being said, um, it gets me obviously pretty pumped up to, to get a chance to work with him uh, moving forward. Um, you know, I, I think uh, when you look at Kayshawn um, or excuse me, uh, Coy Moore and uh, Trey Palmer, Andre Jenkins, Jenkins, um, those guys, uh, they uh, they've, they've jumped off the page as far as guys that may be production wise, uh didn't necessarily see the numbers, but I I see a lot of potential with them. I like the way they're working um, and they're guys that we're gonna find ways to get them in space. I mean, that that's a big part of the offense is speed and space and, and that's what those guys have. Um, so I think um, uh, it, with those guys and, and really the rest of the crew, the expectation is high. Um, and, and I think um, just the production in general across the board, you will see jump. Um, but those are just some names that have, that have stood out in particular so far.
0: DJ, I got one for you. Um, A a lot of people know that you and Coach Brady are are close. Can you kind of give us the history of of your friendship, how you guys met, how you um, became close and and sort of have evolved together as coaches?
1: Yeah, so um, I went to William & Mary, which is uh, Mike Thomas, Sean McDermott, amongst others, just in the football world. That's where they went to school as well. And um, I I was a freshman in 2007, and uh, Brady's a year younger than me. And he transferred in from Air Force. Uh, I believe it was 2008 of the spring semester. He, he did a semester at Air Force, transferred, um, and immediately we clicked. I, I, people, I, anybody that asked, like, maybe what's the connection or why would you guys click so well, it's, it's football. I mean, it's as simple as that. Um, so we, we became pretty close then. We were both receivers. I went back and forth between quarterback, receiver. And then when, once we got in the coaching profession, um, it was just that much more in common, um he likes to and actually he, he jokes but um when I I was coaching at Georgetown in DC he he was I think the first coach that was hired straight from college as a student to be a coach at William and Mary our head coach asked him if he thought I would do a good job as a coach at William and Mary and uh jokingly Brady said I'd put my career on the line for him and he'd only been coaching for a few months at that time so of mm-hmm. course I'm going to say something like that but Um, you'd have to ask him the story. He knows it a little bit better than me. But from there, we obviously coached together for a year there. Um, He went to Penn State and then um, we reconnected, uh, stayed in touch um, since then. And we reconnected at LSU. And then I went to Carolina with him. And now I'm back here and we talk a couple of times a week. He's he's doing well, by the way, if anybody's wondering, um, you know, so it's uh, that that's kind of been the road, the path. It's been pretty cool to to kind of see how it's unfolded for both of us.
0: Another uh, fan question, Bob Florich (laughs) asked, uh, what was the biggest football factor that drew you back to LSU from the NFL?
1: Um, Well, I think the
0: opportunity
1: to, one, knowing the situation here and knowing the people, the fan base, how good this program can be, how good this offense can be. um, I don't care necessarily what the title is. If you're not walking into the right situation with the right people, um, or what the job you know the, the job responsibility is if you don't have that in place um, I think it's pretty tough to to want to take that whatever that opportunity is so that was the first thing the foundation that is set here and knowing the things that we can accomplish here and just seeing it firsthand 15 and0 one of the greatest teams if not one of the you know if not the greatest team or greatest offense um, the foundation that coach o has laid out is, um, that was, that's hard to beat. And then obviously the responsibility of being pass game coordinator. Um, I think, uh, that opportunity in itself is something at a place like this, that is pretty special. So, uh, I think it was pretty easy for me to, you know, when, when looking at everything
0: all together. DJ, what, what was your favorite memory from the 2019 season? It could be a big moment. It could be a small moment that happened away from the cameras. It could be the confetti falling at the national championship, What what kind of sticks sticks out to you as favorite memories from, from that year?
1: There's a lot. Um, I, you know, Brady asked me, we were talking the other day, and I think there was like an ESPN question going around. Like when you think of this team, whether it's, um, you know, the 2011 William and Mary team versus the 2019 LSU team, what moment stands out? And for whatever reason, I know most people will probably say the third and 17 against Texas, um you know they will say some way shape or form the, the the Clemson game um for me it was the the Florida game um I, I, the the pass to Jamar Chase um I, it was it was basically a dagger to seal the deal and i think mm-hmm. that was the first game beyond the Texas game SEC play where we were like oh yeah this this team is real and this team is here to play and they're going to be a national title, title contender um so for me it was that and then i think um just Anytime during a game, we any anytime we'd score, regardless of the score, it was just like a simple as crazy, just the little things, a fist bump with Brady and Steve. Anytime we scored, it was um, I don't know, just thinking about it or seeing it on highlights or whatever it is gives me chills. Just thinking about uh the work you put in, the time you put in, and and that's what it's for. It's it's for those moments. So I would say that that's off the top of my head what stands out.
0: That that play y'all ran for Jamar uh to score against Florida jog my memory y'all ran that again in a big moment um Alabama like, yeah right yeah that's where it was what um with Cl- and Clyde kind of runs the rub action on the outside good memory yeah, yeah. Bring, bring that one back that one worked so yeah no it, it's back <laughs> it's
1: back um no we uh yeah basically it's just if, if you see uh the coverage that we like there's a specific coverage we're looking for uh we will call that play it's an empty play and um yeah we freed up uh, the first time it was a little bit easier against Florida and yeah. How, how could I forget the Alabama game? I mean, coming back uh, to the airport, there were there were more people at the airport after beating Alabama than when, when we came back. Uh, obviously, we didn't fly in the national championship, but just the meaning of that game. And, and I thought I knew what it meant to beat a team like Alabama, but uh, to follow it up with that and, um, you know, just to see the reaction pulling out of the facility was, uh, again, that just adds to what makes this place so special. But um, Joe had to make a little bit of a, a more accurate throw on the one against Alabama. He dropped a dime to Jamar Jamar mm-hmm. made a catch, but no, that's that, that plays back.
0: <laughs> yeah. The, the airport was my favorite memory from, from that season. That was an unbelievable moment. Um, yeah. Right, b- enough looking at the past. We'll, uh, well, well, we'll go back to the past for one question here from uh, James Dubois. He said, seeing miles really move the ball well last year before his injury, what do you expect from him in this year? We saw miles burn in for three games last year. Um, he looked great. He got hurt and, and um, couldn't go the rest of the season. But, but what are y'all's expectations for, for him coming back and kind of getting back in the groove this season? Yeah,
1: I think, it, and Jake could probably speak to it more, but I'd say the biggest thing right now where without a ball, it's leadership. Um, you know, he's been here for a while. He knows what it takes. Um, he knows what we're looking for, maybe more so than some other guys. But I'd say that's the biggest thing. And um, just being a competitor and uh, leading by example, um, it, which all ties into leadership. But I, I'd say that's the biggest thing. And I think if he does that and uh, he competes, uh, regardless of who ends up being the quarterback, we're going to end up with the right guy because he's going to push the the other guys and they're going to push him. And it's it's going to mold whoever it ends up being into a quarterback. That's that's going to lead us to a lot of yards, a lot of points, and, and a lot of success.
0: In a, in a similar vein, Ricky Tucker had asked, how much weight will you put on the quarterback's performance last season deciding the starter? Um, stats ability winning record. I'm not going to ask you to name a starter. I'm not really going to ask you to to um, hash that out with us. But I, I am curious. I, I asked Coach Pete the same question. and I'll ask you to me. And I've seen a lot of LSU quarterback rooms growing up in, in Baton Rouge. This is as deep and talented of one that that's been here. I mean, I, I even even when Joe was here, obviously he was incredible. But, you know, you you've got three guys for sure that we've seen get the job done in the game and, and another in Garrett Nussmeyer who a lot of people have uh, really high expectations for, and he, he's impressed a lot of people. Um, how, how is, how is that room? How are you um, seeing that room develop? And, and, uh, and I, again, I know it's early, but just the the balance of personalities and skill sets and um, in the, in that room with all those guys.
1: Well, we've been without a ball. So we're hundred percent completions at this point. So that's good. Awesome. Uh, but uh, no, I, I would say uh, just like miles, the rest of them competitors, um, and the fact that uh, in last season, it is clean slate, but there are some things just taken to, into account, just seeing them make decisions, talking through what they were thinking, using that tape, uh, you know, it, there's, there's value to it. Uh, just seeing where their mind was at last season compared to where we are now. But I know, um, and again, it's, it's, it's leadership at this point. It's seeing them compete. And again, Jake is, uh, he holds us all to a high standard and he's extremely good with accountability. And that's one thing I've noticed with um, with the quarterbacks in particular is challenging them and then seeing them respond. And all of those guys, as you said, capable players, capable players in the SEC, um, you know, three of them have have shown it. Um, I I think they've all stepped up to the challenge up to this point. And it's not uh, by any means an easy challenge. But it's good to see, um, you know, those guys respond and uh, show that competitive nature and show a little bit of edge. You know, I think a lot of guys look at the quarterback position, and anybody that knows Joe Burrow, uh, they they may see the quarterback as the All American guy, and uh, you know, Mister Nice Guy, and um, whatever it may be, whatever the perception is. Um, but Joe Burrow, to say the least, probably the edgiest person on that roster last year, and and you weren't going to mess with him. And uh, I think that's where we're trying to go with these guys, and that's that's what we're trying to to get out of them. And, and Jake is, uh, I don't know if you can see it, in Jake he's got a little edge to himself. Uh, to him himself. And uh, I think that's um, the the direction, the path we're going down with those guys. And I think that's something you want in every, in every quarterback.
0: I like that description of Joe edgy. That's, that's a perfect description for, no for Joe Burrow. No doubt. Uh, um, let's go to, Oh, I'm sorry. I, I clicked the wrong person. Sorry, Tom. Didn't mean to uh, didn't mean to go to you. Um, pardon my clumsy technology skills here. I was trying to go to Tracy Evans who asked a question in the chat, Tracy, if you want to unmute yourself, putting you on the spot here, and you can uh, you can ask Coach Mangus your question. And if you don't want to, unmute this is yourself,
1: actually. There you go. There we go. This is go. actually Tracy's husband. So there you oh, go. Yeah, Does uh, Tracy's husband have uh, a name? Yeah, I, I was. Lamar. My name is Lamar. Yeah, Lamar. Lamar. So uh, no, I was cur- I was curious whenever y'all are putting together game plans, and I don't know if it's difference between the uh, college game and pro. How much of it is based Upon the defense, the team, which I'm sure that's a big part, but also, how much is he went out on me? I heard the first part of the question. I think. Yeah,
0: I'll, I'll, um, I'll, I'll yeah, I'll just recap the question. Basically, uh, Lamar was asking um, when you're putting together a game plan, how much is based on defensive scheme and how much is based on defensive personnel. Um, And and then also kind of a comparison with game planning with college and and, and NFL.
1: Okay, so uh, in 2019, I'll use that as an example, and then I'll compare that with Carolina. Um, And there will be some definite similarities, obviously, from 19 to 21. Um, But in 19, we were all basically three wide receivers. So when you game plan and you're looking at a defense from that, they're they're probably going to have the same personnel out there, typically five DBs. Although when teams figured out they couldn't stop us, they decided to throw six out there and seven out there. And I don't know if you guys remember the Auburn game, but they did some funky stuff. And I think they had seven DBs out there, a good portion. Stacked those game.
0: linebackers, yeah.
1: Stack the line, I mean, it was it was some stuff. I'm up in the box, like what what are they doing? Um, took took a couple possessions to figure it out, but uh, if you guys remember the second half, we we decided, all right, if these guys want to play seven DBs, let's force them to stop a run, and we got into mm-hmm. defense formations and. We were we were able to run it. So, um, but beyond that stuff, personnel-wise, what the defense does, you're probably going to see the same defensive personnel. So for us, it was uh, what coverage structure and what defensive fronts do they play? What's their most popular stuff? And then what are their their curveballs? And um, for us, we know our answers ahead of time. So if they're a cover two team, okay, cool. Here's our cover two answers. Let's let's have these ready. If they're a cover three team, here's our cover three answers. I mean, you know, let's have these ready. And then if they show a curve ball, which we got a good chunk of the second half of the season, all right, they're, they're a cover three team, but this week they're showing man-free. All right, well, we already know our man-free answers. So regardless of the, the prep we put in the week leading up, uh, we could spend our whole week preparing for cover three and see something completely different, which is what happened in 19. We already have our answers ready. It's just a matter of maybe taking a couple of possessions to figure out exactly what they're doing. Um, and then obviously coaching that stuff up, leading up to that point. So our players, we can, we haven't practiced it all week, but we can go to those plays because our, our players are put in the preparation and time and we feel comfortable doing it. As far as Carolina goes, um, we did a bunch of different personnels. So when you're game planning as a coach, now you get into a fullback tight end set or you get into a two tight end set. Now you're looking at a completely different personnel for the defense. Sometimes defenses switch it up there. So there's a little bit more to it um, Then it that can kind of alter your scheme. And a lot of the stuff we did in Carolina, we put it on the quarterback's plate, Teddy Bridgewater's plate, whereas here we're still going to ask a lot out of the quarterbacks. But a lot of the stuff we do is check from the box. So um, that was probably the biggest difference was the multiple personnels that we had to scheme for. And you have more time and you have players that that's all they do. There's no academics and things like that. Um, so it's you. You have time to do it in the NFL. Hopefully that answered your question. But that's to me the biggest difference is when it comes to game planning.
0: We had two questions from Julian O'Quinn. um Which incoming freshman are you most looking forward to? And then what's your favorite Coach O story? Um, I, I'm going to make the question easier. The first one easier. On you. I'm not going to make you pick one because we're we're not, not going to play favorites. Um, but who are some of the young guys that you're looking forward to getting in? And um, and just the the process of getting them in in general and working them in especially in a, a weird year like this where, you know, we're still kind of dealing with the, the back end of this pandemic, but still not back to normal. Uh, and then I'm also filibustering. So you can think of your favorite coach O story. That's safer.
1: I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, every day with coach O, I think uh, there, there's usually a pretty good moment or story. He's, he's all energy, him and Jake mesh. Well, uh, I think just him walking up and down the hallways, um, you know, basically letting everyone know he's in the building and he's in the hallway is, uh, you know, you you better get your mind right that, that today we're going to put some work in and, and you better have some juice uh, to be ready mm-hmm. for the players when they come in. Um, I'd have to think about a favorite specific story, but that's that's to me every day with him is, um, you know, is it, I look forward to it's it's it keeps you on your toes. That's for sure. Um, but as far as uh, what was the other part of the question? I'll uh,
0: the incoming freshmen who are oh, some yeah, of the, the freshmen guys okay. you looking forward to.
1: Yeah. So all of them, I mean, all of them, but I I, I'll talk about the receivers a little bit. Uh, Malik neighbors, Jack bash, Chris Hilton, Deion Smith's already here. Brian Thomas, the new commit that we just got. I think all those guys are um, players that will be able, we're going to push to try to get to, to contribute pretty quickly. And I think with this offense, that's, that's another bonus to the offense. It's, it's versatile. So it's tough on defenses, but it's simple for the players so I'd like to think that's why freshmen can come in and contribute pretty quickly, but all those guys are going to be expected to compete early on. Um, I, I think there's um, some versatility with all of them. I think there's some versatility, I, I think with Jack, um, especially just seeing he's, he's more of the physical types team, what he can do there. Deion Smith is already here. Just uh, being able to see what he can do. He's, He's obviously someone that we have high expectations for, and we're going to push to to compete very early on. But uh, those other three as well, I think all of them, um, if they pick it up quick enough, they're they're going to have a chance to get out there early on and, and really contribute to an already deep re- receiving core. Um, so, so those are the guys that um, you know, especially because I'm I'm more geared towards the receiver ob- receivers. Obviously, I have the passing game, but those guys in particular, I think I'm 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 looking forward to to really challenging and and seeing how our guys on this current roster respond to those guys challenging them as well.
0: Yeah. DJ last year, we didn't get a, a normal spring practice. I think they went out there once or twice and, and that was it. Um, hopefully this year we'll, we'll look a little bit more normal and you can get a, a full spring in. What, what are the goals? What are the objectives? Um, so still, still a couple of weeks out from spring getting started, but I know that's what y'all are gearing to and preparing for right now. So what, what are some of the goals uh, ahead?
1: Well, I, I think um, it's easier said than done, but the the standard of high effort, high energy, um, it is the biggest thing in ball security, understanding the importance of those things. Because those things, again, like I said, the standard that is set, uh, it's it's easy to do the first few days, the first few weeks. Um, but that's, again, one of Coach Pete's, I think, biggest strengths is holding guys to a high standard and keeping it that way and making sure we are on top of them always. So I, I think if you can get that out of your players, out of, out of a group of players that's already extremely talented, you're going to maximize your talent. Um, if you got guys that, don't give great effort. I mean, you're, you're not going to get, it's, it's buying into what we're doing. It's getting them to buy into what we're doing. And if you can do that, you will maximize your talent. And if they buy into what we're doing, which they will, and we get great effort out of them, which we will, um, the rest of it will take care of itself. We, we are going to put them in position to succeed. Um, I, I think as far as like a schematic X's and O's thing, it's just being detailed. Um, you know, if I ask Kayshawn Bouté to get, get up on the board and teach me a concept, he shouldn't just be able to show me what the X has on this play. He should be able to teach me uh, what the X has in detail, two or three bullet points. And then also what the, the Y, the tight end, the F and the Z have as well. So uh, I think getting them to that point as well is, uh, is going to be a goal, a goal as well.
0: Yeah. I remember Kirk Herbstreet being here, I think before the college football playoff. And after he talked with some of the players and Joe and, one of his comments was this is the smartest football team I've ever been around because all those guys could do that. They couldn't just, they, they wouldn't just explain the play, right. But their role. They would explain the concept. And it seemed like everyone on that offense had uh, had a big picture concept. So hopefully you guys can get that instilled uh, in this group as well. I got one more for you. So, and, and then yeah. we'll wrap up um, coach Brady did the summer of 10,000 catches. Um, that was one of the, the more popular stories that I wrote um that fall before, before things got wild. Um, do you have any, any big plans like that for projects or tasks? And if you don't, may I suggest like the summer of 11,000 catches and you can just kind of one-up <laughs> them, just beat yeah. them. No, I'm
1: with you. I'm with you hundred percent. We, uh, we're actually, so that was, that was a big message to our guys. I think, um, again, if you look at 2018, um, I believe we had one drop for every eight catches. Mm-hmm. And then if you look at 2019, I think we had one drop for every 20 catches Hmm. and the message to these guys right now, I asked them, did you guys do 10,000 catches last year? And the answer was no, or not to to that extent. Yeah. And uh, so it's, it's easy for me to point out the numbers don't lie. Okay. What did these guys do from 18 to 19? Well, obviously they spent a lot of time with the quarterbacks and getting on same page with, uh, with Joe and and miles then, but 10,000 catches speaks speaks for itself. And if you guys weren't doing that, um, so this year, um, I, I think so. I said, for, yeah. And then to that 2020, they had, uh, I think it was one one drop for every six catches. So they went mm. from one for every eight catches to one for every twenty, back down to one for every six. So we're doing five thousand catches right now from when I got here. I think we had fifty days um, from the time that we started doing it. So that's a hundred balls a day between now and spring ball. So that's on their own time. They, they've got to go ahead and do it and take the initiative and. Then I think once we're through spring ball, we'll we'll bring back the uh we'll one up
0: Brady and we'll go with the eleven thousand. There you go. All right. All right. <laughs> but, uh, that, that that'll that'll get the job done. All right, we'll wrap it up, coach. Appreciate your time today. Uh, to everyone that came in and asked questions and listened. Thank you all as well. And uh coach, appreciate your time.
1: Appreciate you guys. Appreciate the uh the questions, the time and uh, go tigers. Light, old, we fight the whole
0: the glory of the purpose Come on you tigers I said fight, fight, fight Victory for victory
1: It's